listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. There was an 11-year-old boy from Brooklyn named Alex who liked to write scary stories to chill and terrify his friends with. He was an odd little author obsessed with the macabre with a poster for the Lost Boys on his bedroom wall. But he was destined for a life of spine-chilling horror tales, a little Stephen King, if you will. However, one night, Alex breaks down in his room and threatens to burn all of his stories while his parents discuss their worries for his unusual love of horror, causing Alex to run away from his apartment. Alex takes the elevator to reach the boiler room downstairs, but instead it mysteriously halts on a strange floor where Alex finds an eerie apartment and a television playing his favorite horror movie, the film and a slice of pumpkin pie lure him into the apartment. But as soon as he walks in, the adolescent storyteller is trapped. Moments later, an evil witch, Natasha, commands him to write a new scary story for each night. He is there, threatening that if they aren't good enough, it will be the last thing he'll ever do. Frightened by the warning, Alex decides to narrate the stories in his books as he suffers from writer's block. Determined to free himself from this evil sorceress, he teams with Yasmin, another trapped child in the witch's home, to try to escape her devilish grasp. Submitted for your approval of the Screener Squad, I call this story Night Books. Directed by David Yarvoski from Brightburn. Written by Mickey Daughtry and Tobias Iconis. The film stars other interesting names such as Winslow Fegley, Lydia Jewett, and Kristen Ritter. Seriously, these are some of the strangest names <laughs> for people. Anyway, it's based on the 2018 horror fantasy children's book of the same name by J.A. White. There you go, a normal name. At which point, I now toss a handful of magic dust, which is actually coffee mate, from a handy leather pouch into a campfire to heighten the flames and produce an eerie white smoke. I am T.C. DeWitts of the Screener Squad. Very nice. And I am joined tonight by Harmony. Hello, hello. Marco. Hi, everybody. I promise I will not make you listen to my stories. <laughs> or will I? And Trevor. <laughs> Good evening. Oh, there we go. Well, Squad, did this never-ending scary story to tell in the dark give you goosebumps? It did. <laughs> I see what you did there. Shockingly, it did. Like, goosebumps I... slash Evil Dead slash <laughs> Arabian Nights. It was very is is really cool and i yeah. loved it i absolutely loved it yeah i thought this was refreshingly creepy especially for a kids movie you know watching it as a jaded and cynical adult <laughs> this is a really creepy film but it is definitely targeted at younger audiences so i was kind of struggling like this is a movie that stands on its own it deserves to be talked about on its own it shouldn't be th- boiled down to like this movie meets this movie but it does really kind of harken back to films like 
Return to Oz or Labyrinth mm-hmm. or Never Ending yeah. Story, where these movies are undeniably for kids. But there is an extra layer of spook and craft here that a, a viewer might want to discuss whether they're going to watch this. Because that was a discussion that was happening on my wall when I talked about it. It's like, well, is it appropriate for kids? Yes, it's appropriate for kids. Yeah. It's a kids movie. But my six-year-old isn't going to watch it. <laughs> Not for a couple of years. Yeah. This is for a certain type of kid. It's for right. a certain type of movie watcher. Because even adults who get easily spooked by creepy visuals or scary movies aren't going to like this. Someone who's a a full-blown adult who gets scared by it, right, Mm -hmm. whether it's the new or the old, or gets scared by Stranger Things, is going to be scared by this in the same way. Maybe a little less, but still that sort of like, "Mm, I don't like this imagery. But you get the right person who can smile through a scare, Mm -hmm. whether they're young or old, this is going to appeal to them. This, as Harmony said, you get that Sam Raimi vibe. Mm -hmm. There's the right kind of fun horror here hitting a lot of fun notes this is a really rich vein of horror that i think people have been tapping into lately which is basically horror with training wheels yes yes if you go back to the earliest grim fairy tales which this movie also references kids have always wanted to be scared Mm -hmm. they've always had that need that desire to kind of push their boundaries and it's kind of nice to have for some of us jaded fuckers who are like who've seen it all, it's kind of hard to scare us anymore. But if you're a kid and you're just interested and you don't want to be too freaked out, this is great. Mm-hmm. And we reviewed another film called The Gin, very much aimed at a young person's audience. Not too scary, not too gory, but just unsettling enough that makes you go, okay, I could do that. I could probably go to the next level mm. now. And then, you know, next week they're going to be watching the Serbian movie or something. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know, That's a big jump. This would be the one kid at the cafeteria talking about how he watched all of the Human Centipede films. Yes. You know, we're oh going to warp God. some minds with this review. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I like about this movie, I know you're you're being funny, Marco, in terms of like a transition film. This movie doesn't pander. It doesn't no. talk no. down to kids. This isn't a scary movie like you would get off the Disney channel, right? right. There were some legitimate scares in yeah. there. Like this is scarier than Hocus Pocus a hundred percent with a lot yes. of thematic overlap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they managed to get around the gore issue because you get gore in this movie, but it's not red gore. But it's candy not gore. Red gore. Yes. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Kids want to see some gross stuff, but they don't want to be traumatized and you don't want, you know, the ratings boards to come down on your ass. So you go like, look, we gave them lots of goopy stuff. That's what people want, right? Kids love love poop jokes. <laughs> yeah. This is such an impressively done film because it doesn't annoy. When it first started and I saw, okay, I see the premise. I worried, okay, this is going to be like the Goosebumps movie. This is right. going to be like the clock in the wall, the Eli Roth one, which was totally inconsistent all over the damn place. Mm-hmm. This sticks with its tone the entire way and it mm-hmm. never wanders into annoying territory. I thought that was great that that this was enjoyable as an adult who just wants to touch. Oh, I got to rephrase that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Keep that in. Oh, no. No, keep going. Let's see where this goes. (laughs) Well, fine. I'll commit to the sentence that was about to come out of my mouth. That wants to get in touch with the little kid inside themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Like when I say it was like Sam Raimi s, like he's literally a producer for it. Yeah, there were some moments where it's like, oh yeah, this is the Sam Raimi cam where it goes follows yeah. 
characters going through the woods. I mean, the title font is the Evil Dead font. It <laughs> is. It absolutely not is. It. I really also liked when they're getting pulled towards the witch, that scene. Mm-hmm. I thought that was brilliant. That was done. And they're just screaming. And I'm like, it was, it was legitimately horrifying. Worth talking about the witch then. Kristen Ritter is... I think playing against type here because she's mm-hmm. fallen into the Jessica Jones, hard-nosed, tough right. girl. But if you go back to something like Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, uh-huh. she's got some comedic range on her. She is chewing the scenery so with so much reverie. She's having a ball playing this evil witch. It reminded me a lot of Angelica Houston from The Witches. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Good call. That's a good one. She's doing a fantastic job. She's dressed fantastically. Her outfits. I can't praise the production design of this movie enough. Yeah. From the sets to the sound design to the costuming. They did not cut any corners. She basically lives in the TARDIS. If the TARDIS were a, a floor of an apartment building that can move anywhere in the world at any time and connect to any elevator or any other apartment. Mm-hmm. She traps all these little kids. We find out that they need to do something helpful. Otherwise, she's mm-hmm. just going to kill them, eat them. We don't know. It's always hinted. Be we don't know. useful. But they have to be yes. useful. So Yasmin is sort of the, the cook. Cook and the cleaner. The cook, the cleaner, the and very importantly, the gardener, mm-hmm. which will become important later, because I think the, uh, the night garden sequence is one of the standouts in the film. So brilliant. But... Alex, all he's really got going for him is that he can tell scary stories. And (laughs) it turns out that, A, that's going to be very important to the plot later. And two, it means we have an excuse to see these little short films of his stories, which kind of surprised me that they were going to do it. And then I felt like they weren't doing it enough. I was glad they brought it back because these fun... I love those little vignettes. They look like cheap middle school productions of a horror movie on stage and it's really quite fun and inventively shot i i definitely would have loved more of those well and the movie managed to stay one step ahead of me especially with that it's kind of playing on my adult expectations and and subverting them that when that started i'm like oh here we are we're sitting down for 1001 arabian nightmares like Mm -hmm. okay i know this movie it's a horror anthology we've got a kid at this oh yeah and that's not where this is going. That's not what this movie is. I get something that feels no. a little more like Holes from 2003. Yes. Oh, when I just, when I'm getting a handle on that, we take a hard left turn into Grimm's Fairy Tales. And it's just, this movie kept me guessing as a jaded adult horror <laughs> fan who, I kind of stepped on this like, oh, hey, the trailer looked good, but man, this is going to be a kid's movie. And I'm just, I'm trying to be more of an active parent and and find some media that'll engage with my mm. kids and and hey, this is exactly that. This is what <laughs> I was looking for. This was such a pleasant surprise. I was joking about all the fun names. Winslow Fegley, who plays Alex in this, is so good. This kid, for as young as he is, he's 10 years old when he filmed this movie, has such a charisma on screen, and he never comes off like child actor. He's got some great comedic timing. He's got... Some moments that made me laugh out loud and just how he screams. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to blow the joke, yeah, yeah. but there's a couple of good scream shouted one-liners where I'm uh-huh. like, that is freaking <laughs> hilarious. Well done, movie. Well done. Oh. He kind of reminds me of Corey Haim in Lost Boys. Like oh, in sure. that very kind of 
he's just a kid and he's trying his best to to get through it. It's all the more impressive when you realize he's pretty much in every scene. And this is largely a three-hander. Despite the huge immersive sets, there's really only a focus on three characters. Alex, Yasmin, and the witch. Natasha, Mm -hmm. yeah. Natasha. And I guess you could argue that the house is a character in its own right, as well as okay. a not terribly convincing CGI hairless cat. But still, that cat's also in the movie a lot. I love Lenore. <laughs> Lenore the hairless cat. I love that even Lenore gets a little bit of a backstory. A lot of, not to give anything away, but like Trevor said, this movie stayed one step ahead of me. And that's honestly hard to do. Even if I'm really enjoying something, I usually know what's coming. And even when it, I don't see it coming, I go... Well, yes, of course, that makes total sense. Here, right. there were a few moments I was like, oh, I didn't know we were going in this direction. That's interesting. I would have never thought we were going to do that. Mickey Daughtry and Tobias Iconis are the screenwriter duo that wrote this movie. And the only big thing they have between them before this is the curse of La Rona, which was, or Yorona. Oh. It's, it's not La a good. Yorona. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, no. I'm mixing up multiple aspects of my upbringing now. <laughs> it all kind of combined. Lots of my childhood just got merged together. It was the 80s, Mexican-American culture, MTV. I think also credit must be given to what I assume was a story that came right out of the book. I don't know how yeah. much they adapted yes. it. J.A. White. So they might be new screenwriters, but it looks like they had a pretty sturdy foundation to build off of. I'm curious to find Nightbooks, the book, to give it a look and see Same. how much it has echoes of someone like Neil Gaiman, who mm-hmm. writes stories like this. If you look at Coraline or Stardust. Right. There was a lot in this that f- had that same sort of vibe of Neil Gaiman's ability to craft spooky stories that aren't going to scar children for the rest <laughs> of their lives. I don't know that that peanut butter sandwich scene was pretty scary. Oh. <laughs> hey, if you ever had to eat peanut butter jelly sandwiches every day for months on end, that would scar you. Yeah. Even one of the kids, Yasmin, says like, oh, you like that? Yeah. You won't. You'll you'll get tired of it. And it's true. She is kind of a horrible witch because she demands to be fed well, but -hmm. she gives the kids basically scraps and makes them live in terror all day. If I have one little nitpick, I -hmm. would kind of like to know what happens when Natasha goes out because she leaves the kids alone hours at a time. Which gives them time to plot their escape. But I'm like, what is she up to? Yeah, that's a good question. She's got a whole magical apartment to attract mm-hmm. victims. I don't think she needs to go out. I mean, who knows? I would love to see that spinoff. Maybe she goes to yoga. I mean, maybe she's taking a crafting <laughs> class. It actually is the B from Apartment 23. That's, yeah. that, that's it. This is now canon. She hangs out with James Vanderbeek and is <laughs> yeah, with Baba Yaga Yoga. <laughs> Baba Yaga Yoga. Baba Yaga Yoga. Well, we could sit here and continue to praise this movie, and I'm, I'm happy to do so, but let's do so in final thoughts. Trevor, why don't you kick us off? First thing I wanted to mention is that this movie is a visual delight. It strikes a perfect balance of horror and children's fairy tale whimsy. Bright colors, dark shadows, spirals on the floor without evoking Tim Burton, which <laughs> if you want to talk about a feat for a movie, that that's one right there. Yeah. This is going to be a hit with older children. It'll get some seasonal love for Halloween, but I really think this movie's impact is not going to be fully measurable for years. Mm-hmm. This is one of those gateway horror films. In about two decades, I expect to hear a lot about how Nightbooks got a generation of kids into horror, and I am so here for it. 
It's really well done. I think my one nitpick of this movie is that it is very obvious that our lead character's glasses have no lenses in them. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Which is, that. it, that's a convention <laughs> for film. You know, it's just something right. you have to live with. But otherwise, he is a great protagonist. TC, you mentioned uh, Stephen King, and I think, you know, you think Stephen King when you think about horror writers, but it's especially apt here because he is such a writer and such an insert for a writer. And a lot of people who have struggles with writer's block, with creativity, things like that, you're going to find a lot to latch onto in this kid. And even if you don't, he's awkward. He's socially incapable. There's a lot to love about this kid. You're going to find something to nestle in with. And through that child's lens, you see this world, and it's incredible. It stayed ahead of me. It kept me guessing and was just really entertaining. I'm going to give this seven and a half out of ten gingerbread houses. Very good. Harmony, go ahead. I'm just going to kind of build off of what Trevor was saying, that the visuals are amazing. The costuming for Kristen Ritter's Natasha is so out there, and she's horrible, and you hate her, but like I appreciate her aesthetics. <laughs> the aesthetics are important. <laughs> I like the twists and the turns that the story takes. When we finally get to our conclusion of the story, Like I wanted more. I loved all the Lost Boy references. <laughs> The slow motion walking to one of the songs of Lost Boys was ah yes, there is a cover of the Lost Boys soundtrack needle drop in this movie. That's my other nitpick though. You don't needle drop that song and not give me the chorus because I was watching this at home. (laughs) Thank you. I'm ready to sing along. I'm not in a movie theater where I'm quiet. I was like, oh, okay, we're not getting wow. Talk about needle drop this interrupt us there, but. But then we get a cover version at the end credits, so I guess they made up for it. I'm sorry, Harmony. I jumped on I you. think it was really entertaining. I highly recommend it. If your kid's a little more sensitive, maybe wait until a little bit older. But I just – I can't – I was so pleasantly surprised by this that I, I definitely want to watch it again. So I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. Doors to nowhere, maybe? Okay, okay. Marco, are we not going to acknowledge that Kristen Ritter as Natasha is running the best writers program in all of the world? <laughs> it's free, free room and board. You have to write a story every night. She is a very harsh but fair critic. She will make you a better writer. I mean, honestly, people would pay thousands of dollars to spend a few weeks in a cabin somewhere getting this kind of instructional advice. (laughs) Of course, if you uh, drop out of the program, you don't get eaten. So granted, it's not quite the same thing. It's a very effective conversation about what writers have to go through to tell stories and get to the truth and find things that are scary. And also subtly, it's not in your face, but also an exploration of how trauma and abuse uh, just become cycles that repeat themselves over time. There's some heavy stuff in here, but it's done with such a light touch. This is, as I said, it's a horror movie with training wheels. It's something to get kids invested in the idea of scary stories without traumatizing them too much. I think, like Trevor said, in the years to come, this might be a little bit of a of a Halloween cult classic, something that parents can watch with their kids and will perhaps influence a few kids to if not write scary stories themselves, at least dare themselves to watch slightly ever more scary stories. Expose them to more and more of the horror genre, and I'm all for that. So I'm going to have to give this 8 out of 10 unicorns. 
<laughs> that are really scary. <laughs> scary unicorns. <laughs> I'm glad we're touching on the writer angle of this because there's a quote in the movie that I wrote down because whew, I could relate being a writer professionally myself. Alex says, I used to love to write, but now that I have to write, the ideas won't come to me. <laughs> Tell me about it, kid. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> I'm ready to experience 50 more years of that, kiddo. <laughs> and I do I do have to, like, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall when J.A. White turned in, like, a draft of this book. And then the editor gets to the part about the witch criticizing the kid's work and just kind of looks up at the author and goes... <laughs> Now, who, who is the witch supposed to be in this analogy? <laughs> There's a great look at not just being a creative person struggling, but it touches on bullying. It touches on life lessons, I think, are apt for us now as much as they were or are for children in that struggle to identify yourself, to be who you are despite criticism in general as we've been praising it the cast is so good on this the production design the sets the costume the sound design listen mm -hmm. to this loud on a good sound system mm -hmm. every frame of this is a rich rich movie from the performances to what you're seeing and hearing the cgi is a bit weak but it is used so minimally in favor of practical effects some of my favorite movies from childhood are the ones that at the time felt like I shouldn't be allowed to watch them, mm -hmm. right? We've already mentioned a bunch in here, but Dark Crystal, Never Ending Story, Hocus Pocus, The Witches. I loved scary stories to tell in the dark and the show, Are You Afraid of the Dark, which was like Tales from the Crypt Light. I think there's something fun for kids to be creeped out by horror like this. And if you're a kid or a kid at heart who loves Coraline or Paranorman, you're already in, and this is the next step. This is, as I joked up top, little Stephen King, and it's one step towards Stranger Things and stuff that starts getting a little truly more scary. It's cute and a perfect introduction into this genre, and I really, really enjoyed this. I'm excited to recommend this to some of my more spooky-loving people in my life and i'm gonna give this a nine out of ten creepy doll trees <laughs> <laughs> oh yes that's the evolution for kids and horror you go from poopy to spoopy to spooky to the soul-sucking terrifying existential dread of an a24 film <laughs> to not knowing who you are that's a natural progression <laughs> you go from shitting your pants to making other people want to shit their pants <laughs> there you go <laughs>